Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. attention, if you will, please, to Romans chapter number 12. Uh, This is our second week of moving into this R12 study called True Spirituality and and really trying to connect with that. And and so I hope and pray you've enjoyed your small group study this past week. Uh, Brother John was actually um, filled in for me last week and and launched us and started us in this R12 study. And by the way, pray for him. He's down at Rescue Church in southern Illinois preaching this morning. Uh, Brother Paul and Mayron are gone as well, so be much in prayer for, uh, for those guys. But I started thinking about really this whole topic of R12. Well, what does R12 mean? Well, it, it draws its reference from Romans chapter number 12. Uh, and it's really talking about having a, a true relationship with Jesus Christ and not just being a religious person, right? Um, I tell you, just religion in and of itself will not get you to heaven. I mean, it, it will not solve any problems in your life, I promise you. Matter of fact, it may just compound and add to it. We've got to get past religion. We've got to get to the place where we know Jesus, right? The lover of our soul, right? And I believe a lot of you guys do. I can just fill it in here today already. But we've got to get to that place where we realize that we're sinners in the miry pit, and every single one of us, and myself included, we all deserve hell. None of us deserve the goodness of God. None of us deserve His righteousness. None of us deserve to be able to spend eternity in heaven. But because of God's grace, and because of His love for you and for me, He allowed His Son Jesus to come and die on the cross to build that bridge so we could walk right over the flames of hell, figuratively speaking, and walk right into the throne room of our God through the person of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? That's, that's what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Well, we're discovering what that looks like in these next, I don't know, six to seven weeks or so as we're going through this R12 study together. We're really trying to get our thumb on the pulse of really what it looks like to be a true believer, what it looks like to be a true Christ follower. You see, it's one thing to come in here on Sunday mornings and hear a sermon or hear a message or or go to a study and be involved in a Bible study. It's something else entirely different to walk out those doors and live it Monday through Saturday. Can I get a witness? I hope that this transforms into actions in your life as you discover the truth and the reality of Romans chapter number 12. Okay? Uh, if you go back through Romans, really from chapter 1, matter of fact, the entire book of Romans, one of the great theological books in the entire New Testament, it's filled with tremendous doctrine. And if you've never done a study in the book of Romans, boy, right there is where you can get some, some steadfast roots in the doctrine of the gospel of grace and what it means to be a born-again believer and what it means to be a Christ follower. Paul spent many chapters, all the way up from chapter 1, all the way through chapter number 11, talking about salvation. 
But now he's bringing it into practice for us. He's bringing it to the place in Romans chapter 12 to where we submit to the authority of our God, to where we submit not only to Jesus as our Savior. That's chapters 1 through chapter 11. Chapter 12 now is where we submit to him as Lord, right? And this is where the rubber meets the road. It's where we really start living out our faith and not just being religious and going to church on Sunday. So I hope and pray that there's a transformation that would begin to start in your life and in mine as we go through the next four or five weeks together through Romans chapter number 12. Okay, so I thought what we would do together I don't know how many of you have even read the entire chapter of Romans, chapter number 12. So I thought, what a great way to kind of start off. And it's kind of a start for me because I wasn't here last week and I realized you guys already started. But I thought, what a great way to, to really launch in to being an R12 Christ follower. Then we need to understand what Romans chapter 12 is about. So let's just read it. You want to do that? Let's, let's go through the scripture together. Let me, let me read it to you. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along with us or turn in your Bibles. I encourage you to do that and, um, and follow this scripture with us. I'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Whatever translation you have is okay. Uh, but let's look in Romans chapter 12 together. The Bible says, therefore, brothers. Now, let's just stop right there. Man, I, I can't do this. We'll never get through the chapter. But I want to do it this one time. Okay. Question. Who is Paul addressing in this letter to the Romans? Believers. Exactly. You, me, believers in his day and believers today. So I want you to look when we read through this letter. This just this this just isn't some writing from some archaic book way back then. This is as up to date as tomorrow morning's newspaper. Are you with me, church? So, so this letter is to you and this letter is to me. Okay. I promise you I won't do that anymore. Well, I better not make that promise because I just made, but, but let me go a little bit further here. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge, boy, there's another good word. I urge you to present your bodies. I'm going to come back and unpack that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual worship. People want to know how to worship God? Well, he tells us, I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. For by grace, it's the Greek word keros, the gifts it's a gift that God has given us by by grace. He's given to me. I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead. Hello. Let's stop. Did, did you hear what I just said? I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Say amen. And I won't say much more right there. OK. Instead, think sensibly. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor right now. And say, think sensibly, will you? You, you've been wanting to tell your husband and your wife that for a long time, and I just gave you freedom to do it, or your friend, or your neighbor, or that person you sit to next in church. Turn around right now and tell them the Bible says think sensibly. Okay, do that. Go ahead. Think sensibly. <laughs> As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. I love this. Don't you just love getting in God's word? Man, I just love this. Now as we, get this. Think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. 
Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ. Say it together. One body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. We get down in verses 9 and following, and now Paul is transitioning a little bit further, and he's getting into our ethics. He's getting into our behavior. Okay? By the way, does it matter how you live? Sure it does. The Bible's filled with ways that we should be living. Right? But if you're religious, you don't care about that because you're going to live your own way, do your own thing, and who cares, right? Right? Because you're going to come in on Sunday and do your religious thing and go back out the door and live life your way. That's what the world tells you. But if you are an R12 believer, if you are a Christ follower... It's going to impact how you live your life when you walk out the doors of Victory Church. Say amen. amen. So how are we going to live our life? First of all, he tells us in verse number nine that we're going that our love must be without hypocrisy. Man, I'd love to just I can't. I'd love to just park it right here on a lot of this stuff. I got to move forward. That love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. And by the way, you did that today. I've seen you doing that by hugging each other's necks and fellowshipping one with another. I saw you show affection to, to Adam and to Jamie and to Jared up here as they were singing and ministering to you in song. Thank you for doing that because that's what an R12 believer does, right? Show family affection to one another with brotherly, brotherly love. I like this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. I like how he had to repeat that. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. He should have just moved on like he did the rest of the time. He said, oh, better back up and hit that again, right? I guess that's where I picked up that pattern. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, I say, and do not curse. Because why? We want to curse those that persecute us, right? That's what the flesh wants to do. That's what religious people do. Right? I'm not going to let them get by with that and we spout off and take off. No, 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 no. But a person that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, an R12 believer, is not going to curse those who persecute us, he says twice that we're going to bless them. You say, preacher, I don't know if I can do that. And you know what? You're, you're exactly right. You can't. But every one of us can in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hello? We cannot in the flesh do these things. I've got to move forward. Verse 15. Isn't, isn't Romans 12 a great chapter? Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. How many know somebody like that? Come on. You know some folks like that. You're being so humble right now. (laughs) 
Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Now, guys, I know it's not possible to be at peace with everyone, but it should be possible. It should be possible on my part. Right. I am going to see to it that I am at peace with everyone as far as it is within me. Now, I can't take responsibility on how my actions are received or my um, my saying I'm sorry or forgiveness or trying to extend an olive branch may be received. I can't take responsibility for what the other person does, but I sure as heck can take responsibility for what I do. Right? Man, we'll unpack this later. This is going to be some good stuff, I promise you, coming in the next several weeks. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes, if possible, on your part. Live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. (laughs) I like that. For it's written, vengeance belongs to me, the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. Leave room. But just let, let God, God has a way of evening the score, right? It's not our job to go do that, right? But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It's so alive. It's so practical. It's so, it's so here in our face. But I hope and pray that it moves from just being in our face to move being in our heart. And help us, God, to be able to live this out on a daily basis. I pray for each one that's here today. And Lord, as we just read Romans chapter 12 today, I realize that there's no way in the world I can live out what I just read by myself. I just can't do that. Nor can anyone else. But God, whenever we fully surrender our hearts and our lives to you. And we allow you, our God, to not only be our Savior. But to be our Lord. Then we can start being a Romans 12 Christian. I ask you, God, that you would speak to our hearts today. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I'm going to go back. I want to speak to you on R12 Christ followers. And I want to talk to you really about this one word, surrender. Because that's really what it means. Matter of fact, in your studies this week, uh, Chip Ingram puts together a, a really good study. And he gives you some case studies. And the case studies are all about risk and reward. And he talks about a guy that, was, um, that went around to... Um, um, what do you call these estate sales? And, and he found some coins and, and it was more than he could pay. And you're going to, you're going to study this. And, and he, had to, he had to weigh the options of selling everything he had and purchasing these coins that may be worth millions or, or not. So he had a risk and it's risk versus reward. You'll also study this week in the uh, study together, another case study where uh, a lady that had some fine art of her own, an art gallery of her own and had a lot of possessions in it ran across this original piece of art that was worth far more than anything she ever had. And and she had to ask the question, is the risk of of selling everything I had and purchasing this one piece worth the reward? And 
so all that had to take place. And so you're going to study that this week together in your small group studies. But I, I wanted to lean into another area, just this area of surrender. This area of really surrendering our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I ran across a saying by Stephen Olford. As a matter of fact, um, this is a this is a church wide campaign study that we're doing. And a lot of times the sermons go right along with what you're going to be studying. But really, the, the sermons they provided is really just the study you're going to be studying. So I didn't want to get up here and preach what you're going to be studying and say the same thing. So I've kind of just developed my own little study to go along with this. So I hope that's OK. Right. I want to talk to you a little bit about this word surrender, because that's what it means to be a Christ follower means that that to be an R12 believer means that that we've got to move past just accepting Jesus as our Savior and move to the place where He is our Lord, where we have totally surrendered everything in our life and we are committed to following Him. I ran across a quote by Stephen Olford. I think I have it on the slides for you here. I want you to look what this says. What God wants today is new men rather than new methods. Surrendered people rather than just saved people. For it's possible to be saved, yet not surrendered. True or false? True. Yeah, it's very possible. Matter of fact, we could probably survey a lot of people. We'll find a lot of saved people. It's not real hard to go out into our communities and into our crowds and into our churches and find saved people. You'll find a lot of people that trust Christ as their Savior, right? I mean, it's come to the point, yeah, they believe that God's God the Father, and they believe that Jesus is his sinless son, and he died on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again, and they'll, they'll trust him as their Savior, and they'll even be in church on Sunday morning. But it's going to be a little bit more difficult to find one that's not only trusted Jesus as their Savior, but has become a new person in Jesus Christ and fully surrendered their life to Him. It's going to be a little bit harder to find those that are converted and committed instead of just converted. Are you with me, church? Romans chapter 12, as I've already talked about. Romans 1 through 11, Paul deals with a lot of doctrine, dealing with salvation. It's a great study. You need to read it. In that, he talks a lot about the details of salvation and sanctification. But he probes a little bit deeper into the heart of the believer when he, when he starts penning Romans chapter number 12. Because here he's starting to write how a real believer that has trusted Christ as their Savior, what type of a surrendered, committed life that they live, it impacts how they walk Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday. Today, real quickly, I kind of want to breeze through my sermon. I want to get to the end because at the end is where you get to make your next step. At the end is where you get to make the next commitment. Okay? I want to show you, first of all, a little bit of the divine order of surrender. And we're going to pull straight from the text. We're really just going to, we're going to exegete the text. We're going to look at Romans 12, verses 1 and verse number 2. That's all we're going to deal with today. Uh, we'll go further later. But I want you to look in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to talk about this divine order of surrender. Look what he says. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual 
worship. Well, what does our divine surrender look like? Whenever we surrender, what's the order of the way that we are to surrender ourselves to make this commitment of being an R12 Christian, an R12 believer, and really start living out Romans chapter number 12? Well, there is a divine order. There's a process. Okay? I want you to see it. It's unpacked for us in verse number 1. Our surrender must be without reservation. That's what I want you to say. I want you to write down the word without reservation. Okay? You need to get a hold of that. Look what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1b, the latter part of it. He said that we are to present our bodies. Now, our bodies is so much more than just the visible shell of the person that we see. Okay? A lot of people take this and they stretch it into a lot of different areas and they kind of keep it really shallow. And and they're just mainly just talking about the physical body. Well, I believe there is some application to the physical body, but I believe it's so much deeper than just the physical body. Whenever Paul is writing here and he talks about the bodies, he's talking about the totality of one's life and one's activities. Everything that you do, every way that you act. Every way that you react, the totality of the person that you are. And by the way, newsflash, you say, well, who am I? Let me ask you, who are you when no one's looking? What are you doing when you don't think anybody sees you? What are you doing when the preacher's not around? You see, I know we can all straighten up when the preacher walks in the room. I lived a fake life like that many years ago, right? We all know how to dress up and come to church and put on the smile and go through the motion. Oh, the preacher's there. We'll look good today. That's not the real you. Right? Who are you when nobody's looking? When it's just you. That's what he's talking about. Present your bodies. To me, I think it's pretty shallow if all we deal with here is just a physical body of ourself. Now, we are to be, I think there we could lean into the area, the doctrine of stewardship. And we can realize that our bodies... We're to be good stewards of our bodies, right? Right? Are you with me, church? But I I think even further than that, Paul is more concerned with us being an R12 believer. He's more concerned with the totality of the person that I am. Everything within me, mind, body, soul, and spirit, we're to present it all. Not only my actions, but my reactions. Not only what I say, but what I'm thinking. Not only what I'm thinking, but what I'm reading. Everything that I am involved with, the totality of my person, I'm to present to God. Are you with me, church? If we're going to be an R12 believer, it's got to go further than just the the shallowness of the physical. It's got to go far deeper into the person that we are. And I believe that's what he's talking about. So therefore, our surrender must be without reservation. We must present before God everything. In other words, throw the covers off everything in our life. You see, there's some things in our life that you may think you have hidden And you may have them hidden from your spouse. You may have them hidden from your children. You may have them hidden from from people that care about you and love you. You may have them hidden from people in church. But I promise you, there is nothing in your life that is hidden from our God. Are you with me, church? He sees everything. He understands every thought process. He looks deep into your soul. Not only does he not only does he pay attention to your actions, but get this church. He goes further than that. He probes deeper than that. He looks into the motives and the intent of your heart. Are you with me? 
Mm, that's some deep stuff. That's our God. And I believe that is a true sense of the word. What Paul is writing when we present our bodies. A lot of times we jump up. on. Here I am, God. God wants more than just that. Right? He wants your thought life. He wants your mind. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your inner being. The totality of self. He wants all of it. That's what we need to present. That's the divine order. And that's where it begins with presenting our body. I put in my notes here. He doesn't simply want your tongue, but he wants your thoughts. He doesn't simply want your head, but he wants your heart. Right? It goes deeper. It goes deeper. It goes deeper. So we see the, the, re, the reservation. Our surrender must be without reservation. We need to present our entire bodies. But I want you to go a little bit further here with me. And let's look at our surrender must be as required. What is required? Let's go a little bit further in this same verse, in Romans 12, verse number 1. And here are some requirements on how we are to present our bodies, ourselves, everything. Our, the totality of our being. How we're to present that to God. Look what he says in Romans 12b, continuing. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, there's three areas. Now, put it on the slide here for you. It's at the bottom there. But this is our surrender as required by God. We're going to surrender our bodies, the totality of our being. But then we're going to go a little bit further. We're going to see how we are to to surrender them and present them to God. We're to do it as a living sacrifice, as a holy sacrifice, as an acceptable sacrifice. We're to be offering that up to the Lord. Now, look what he says when we are to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, here you got to understand the transition of when Paul was writing in his day. In the Old Testament, the accepted sacrifice was a dead sacrifice. Are you with me, church? When Paul was writing in his day, the acceptable sacrifice to bring to God was to take an animal of some sort, kill the animal, offer it up on the altar, and sacrifice a dead animal to God. Old Testament. There's a transition that's taking place in this day of grace, this day of the church. And Paul is saying that God is no longer pleased with your dead sacrifices. Are you with me? What does he want? He wants a living sacrifice. In other words, he wants you to put yourself on the altar and say, here am I, God, as Isaiah did. Here am I, God, send me. Here am I, God, use me. Here, my God, I presented my entire body to you, not just the physical, the totality of my being. I presented it to you alive and well. I'm at your beck and call. God, here am I. What does that take? That takes commitment. That takes surrender. That's more than just going through the motions. You guys with me today? This is what being an R12 believer is. It's really presenting ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, but also a holy sacrifice. God, we are to, listen, we are to strive to live a holy life. I mean, listen, I love the book of Galatians and Jared and I got in this conversation late Thursday night. I think we actually, my wife and Jared and I, the three of us were actually the last ones to leave here. I think Thursday night, we shut the place down. We just sat in here and talked about a lot of things. And this is one of those areas 
Whenever we talk about giving ourselves and holy sacrifice to God, just completely giving ourselves to the Lord. And being an R12 believer is not just a matter of going through the rules and the regulations and the motions, but it's, it's saying, God, here I am. I don't want to get caught up in the, in the legalism of it. I don't want to get caught up in, in the shallow physicalness of it. I just want to give you my whole self. I, w- I want to live holy. Listen, and in living holy, get this church, in living holy, there are some things that it's okay for me to be involved in because of grace. But it may not be the best thing for me to be involved in because of holiness. Are you with me? I'm talking about being an R12 believer. I'm talking about surrendering my entire being to the call of God and saying, God, life is no longer about me and my selfish desires. Life now is about you and being honorable and holy before you. Right? You remember in Corinthians when the church at Corinth was having this battle over whether they could eat meat that was offered up to idols or not? You remember what Paul said? He said, well, yeah, it's not going to hinder your walk with Christ if you eat that old dead meat. It's just dead meat and there's no God anyway, and so it's okay. He said, however, if it offends your brother, don't eat the meat. So my point is, there are some things that may be acceptable for you to do, but if it offends someone, it is sin, therefore don't do it. Are you with me, church? What's that called? That's called offering myself up as a living, holy sacrifice. And then what's the next word there? The living, holy, and then look at the part, the last part of it, acceptable. The acceptable in Romans 12, 1b, we are to be living sacrifice. We are to be a holy sacrifice. We are to be an acceptable or pleasing sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living, holy, acceptable, pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. You get the point? That's Romans 12, 1. That's kind of my exegeting of the scripture. I'm going to move on from there now and get to the practical. How do we do that? Right? It's one thing to know what we're supposed to do. Right? Okay, preacher, gotcha. How do I do that? That's where I want to go. And I'm going to be real quick here and wrap this thing up. But let me show you. How do we begin the process of fully surrendering our hearts and our lives to Christ? There's one word. Go back to the next one. Leave it right there. How do we begin the process of fully surrendering our life to Christ? There's, there's one word that's going to pop in right here. Okay, don't pop it in yet. Don't steal my thunder here. Let me kind of build up this storm a little bit. And then I want it to pop and crack so you can get it, right? There's only one word. There's one word that really transforms my life. There's one word that leads me into being a Romans 12 believer. And it's not that difficult, guys. It's just one word. Anybody want to guess? Let's hear some words. What's your words? Devotion's great. Not the word I'm going to pop up on the screen. What else you got? Obedience, awesome, but it's not the word I'm going to pop up on the screen. Anybody else? Who? Somebody said sanctification, great word, but it's not the word I'm going to pop up. Sacrifice, great word. All these are great answers. Prayer is awesome, amazing. Love, amazing. All these are right answers. 
Somebody at some point has got to say Jesus. That's not what's going to pop up. But Jesus, yeah, Jesus is always the right answer, right? Let's go ahead and pop it up. What's the word? When you see it, read it. Commitment. Guys, do you realize that every single one of us become what we are committed to? Let that sink in. Every single one of us are in the process of becoming what we are committed to. What do you think? That's true, isn't it? So therefore, you need to guard what we are committing our life to. We need to be sure that we are choosing carefully what we are committing our life to. Now, whenever you commit your life to Christ, that means I am fully surrendered. I'm this Romans 12, 1 Christian. Man, I'm presenting my whole body, which, by, by the way, the body's more than just the physical. The body is what? The, let's say it together. The totality of the person you are. Say it. The totality of the person you are. I'm presenting all of that, right, in a holy, living, acceptable way unto God. Romans 12, 1. And to do that, now it's going to start transforming the way that I live out my life. And the only way that ever happened is when I make the decision that I am going to commit my life to Christ. Guys, you realize that love is all about commitment? I'm going through, and Sean and Aaron, I hope you don't mind. I don't think Aaron's back there. but uh, Sean and Aaron, I hope you don't mind me using you guys as an illustration because I spend some time with them every week going through premarital counsel. And man, these two are so in love with each other. It's just refreshing to sit across the table from them and just listen to them and hear them talk. But you, but you know what? You know why they are so in love with each other? Because they have committed their life already to one another. They just have to go through the ceremony. But really, in essence, they're kind of already married, right? Now, they haven't said the vows yet, but in essence, really, they've already made that commitment that I am going to choose to love you and she is going to choose to love him. At the root of love is commitment. By the way, hold on, church. Let me get sidebar here. Do you realize I just I don't believe that you fall in love and fall out of love. That's hogwash. That's so childish. That's so middle school. Hello? Oh, I just fell in love. No, you didn't. Listen, I've done a tremendous amount of counseling in my years in ministry. Now, I used to do a lot of of marriage counseling. And it got to where it it consumed me and it took up so much of my time. And and, and now I I outsource them to a very replicable counseling uh, Christian organization where that's all they do. But I've sat across the table and I've listened to him and her both say, we just fell out of love somewhere along the way. Baloney. Hello? You don't fall in love and fall out of love. You choose to stop loving somebody and you choose to love somebody. Right, church? You just say, hey, I'm not, forget about this. I'm not committed to this relationship anymore. Right? Now, all that's true except for my wife. I mean, she just has fallen in love with me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She has to wake up and recommit herself every day and question, why in the world did I commit to this guy 30-some years ago? But every single day, it's a commitment. Right? 
I mean, we choose to love. We choose to serve. We, we choose to honor one another. And we've got to be careful what it is we commit to. Whenever we become a believer in Christ, we commit ourselves to Him. It's all about commitment. Listen, I wrote in my notes this. You don't really love somebody unless you're committed to their best. Nothing ever significant happens in life without commitment. Your commitments determine your future. Let that sink in, guys. Mm. Matter of fact, Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9, you don't have to turn there, and I don't even think I have a slide for it, but in Second Chronicles 16, 9, in essence, it's saying that God is looking for people whose, whose hearts are fully committed to Him so that He can bless them and use them. Wow. You want God's blessing on your life? You want God to use you in this life? then it's going to take you committing yourself to Him. Well, what does it mean now to commit? Let me try to cover this for you real quickly and I'm done. There are five areas. I want you to jot these down. Get a hold of these. Let's go ahead and put them up on the screen. There's actually five areas, five basic commitments that all of us need to make in life. Okay? When you make these five basic commitments to Christ, then you're starting to live out an R12 believer. Now, once you make these, that doesn't mean game over. No, you're you're living. It's a process. It's your entire life. Matter of fact, sanctification doesn't happen once and then you become a sinless believer the rest of your life. No, sanctification is a process that takes you all the way up to death. And when you step into the portals of heaven, then it's completed as far as sanctification is concerned. Okay? Learning will still take place there, but as far as the doctrine of sanctification. So this process of being a committed Christ follower is going to be a process that all of us are going to work on our entire life. We're going to get up every single day and we're going to work on this process. Commitment number one is you to commit your life to Christ. Okay, for you to give your life to Jesus, for you to realize that you're a sinner. We all are. And that if we die in our sins, we're all going to split hell wide open. We're going to live in eternity in a devil's hell, totally separated from God. The Bible says there's fire there where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I mean, that's just in the Bible, folks. And by the way, if there's no hell to shine and no heaven to gain, why are we even here today? Right? There is a hell to shine and there is a heaven to gain. And I hope we all end up in heaven. But it's going to start with your very first commitment. It's going to start with you saying, you know what? Today, I am going to give my life to Jesus. That's where it starts. Now, a lot of people move no further than that right there. Okay? That's the saved people. But I'm talking about the surrendered. I'm talking about more than just the converted. I'm talking about the committed. But step number one for you is to realize that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He bore your sin. He suffered your shame and your hell on the cross. And what you simply need to do is realize that you're a sinner. Plead and ask God for, for forgiveness. Invite Christ into your heart to be your Savior. That's step number one. If you haven't done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity here real shortly to do that. Commitment number two is this. That I commit my life to his family. Well, who's his family? His family is the church. And by the way, I think every single born-again believer needs to make a commitment, not only to Christ, but also to Christ's family. Well, who's his family? His family is the church, the local church. So every single one of us, I think the second step in commitment and surrender, yes, give our life to Christ, but secondly, make a commitment to the local church. 
that's living out the gospel and living out the ministry of Christ. By the way, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back for who? The church. Right? Well, who's the church? The church is all born again believers. Obviously, the universal church. But we need to make a commitment to a local church. The third area we need to make a commitment is to grow spiritually. That we are going to grow spiritually. I'm going to get in God's Word. And somebody said prayer earlier. That's great. That's this, this commitment that I'm going to pray. That I'm going to read God's Word. That I'm going to be actively seeking God and learning more of Him. This is that area of making a commitment to grow in spiritually. And then fourthly, we need to make a commitment that, that I'm going to use my talents, my gifts, and my abilities to serve others. That I'm going to, I'm going to get outside of myself. And I'm just not going to use my, my gifts for self-gain. That I'm going to use my gifts to be a blessing to other people and serve other people. That gets into Romans 12 a little bit about honoring others and esteeming others and the such. And then we're going to commit to sharing the good news. And I just can't leave it within me. I've got to tell someone what Jesus has done for me. And by the way... Some folks get a little bit scared whenever they talk about evangelism. Evangelism is real simple. It's this. Two things I want to say about it. Number one, it's sharing your story. Every single one of us has a story. God's done something for every single one of us. Just simply tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. The second analogy I want you to get as far as evangelism is concerned, it's simply just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. D.L. Moody said that. Just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. So there's people in our life that we could share the good news with. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your connection card. And let's go to the slide that says, what is your next step? Every single one of us have a next step. None of us have arrived. What is your next step? I wonder, is every head is bowed and every eye is closed, take out your connection card. I just want you right now to do business with just you and God. And the band can come silently. But I want you to do business right now with just you and God. And I want you to think, what is my next step? Well, if you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your next step is commitment number one. To accept Christ as your Savior. To realize that, that you've sinned and Jesus loves you. And He died on the cross for you. And He just simply wants you to come into, his, into your heart and into your life and invite Him in and allow Him to be your God and your Savior. I wonder right now if you're here and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to walk you through commitment number one. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you need to trust Christ as your personal Savior, will you just simply pray a prayer like this? Just say something like this. Silently, in your heart, sincerely to God, say, God... I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Lord, and right now I give you my heart and I give you my life and I pray, Lord, that you forgive me of my sins. Father, come into my life right now. I believe you hung on the cross. I believe you died there. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again the third day. I believe you are the sinless son of God. And right now, Lord, best I know how to do. I pray that you forgive me. I repent of my sins and I trust you God as my personal Lord and Savior. His heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed and this is our invitation. This is how we do it. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior, then I want you to indicate that on your connection card today. I want you to check that box and I want to follow up with you first of all with an email, maybe a letter, some material that will help you in your journey 
with Christ Jesus. But I look around the auditorium today and I see a lot of folks that have already done that. But let me ask you, have you come to the place of commitment level number two? Have you come to the place where you've committed not only to Christ, but also to the church? I want to encourage you to commit to the church family. Make a commitment to Victory Church. Get in here and get connected. Learn how to love God. Learn how to love each other. Have a church family that you fellowship with. That true fellowship and koinonia is taking place in your life where you're sharing life together. We need to make a commitment to the church family. We just had our membership class. and If you'd like to make a commitment to Victory Church, I want you to indicate that. Sign up for the next Class 101. Maybe you're saying, boy, I've made a commitment to Christ and right now I want to be baptized. And I need some information about being baptized. Just sign up for our baptism class this, this Wednesday evening. But then maybe Class 201 is what we need to deal with. Maybe it's growing spiritually. And right now, I just want to invite you to make that commitment. We just make a commitment that you're going to learn how to grow spiritually in Christ Jesus. And we give you some help in that. That's in class 201. Sign up for that class. These five areas of commitments, we have classes in place that help you discover that so that you can be an R12 believer. Class 301 is our commitment to our our gifts and our talents. Are you using your gifts and your talents for the kingdom? This Wednesday night, we're having that class. I I encourage you to make that commitment. Class 401 is our evangelism class, our missions class, our outreach class. Have you made a commitment to share the good news of Jesus Christ? When we really start living out these commitments, then we discover that we have surrendered our heart and our life to Christ. When we really start living out these commitments. Father, right now, as we close out this part of the invitation today, I pray as you have spoke through me and you've spoken to hearts that God, we would realize where we are and what our next steps are. Father, if there's one that needs to commit their life to you right now, I pray, God, you help them do that. If there's one that needs to take these next steps of commitment into these next classes to help them grow in their faith and discover their gift and be involved in missions and evangelism and outreach and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray you help them to make that commitment. I ask you to bless every small group that's studying this week. And as we get into the risk and reward of making this commitment and surrendering everything that we have to you and trusting, dear God, that you can use us, I pray, God, that we would all become these R12 believers, true spirituality, living out to the depths of our soul, the inner beings of our soul, true Christian life. Help us to discover that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. 
If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.